I don't ever want to be married to one version of our solution. I want to be deeply committed to our mission and our vision and solving that problem and creating a healthier world. But the way that that comes to life, it will just change because the world changes Mm -hmm. and being open to it looking different than how you originally conceptualized, I think is the way that you build a healthy, long lasting business. The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew, and there are always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit, yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer, and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnish, and welcome to the dirt. Okay, so we all should know by now that eating healthy is pretty damn important. But did you know that you could actually save your employees and your company money simply by buying healthier food for your teams? Well, now you do, and soon you'll hear more about how to do it. Here to educate us on this and also share some of our own trials and tribulations in both building her product and establishing product market fit is the founder of BiteWell, Samantha Citro Alexander. Welcome to the Dirt. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, it's great to great to have you here. So, yeah, let's start with your why. What you know? What is the the why behind starting BiteWell? Yeah, so we are on a mission to improve the world's health through food. And there are a lot of reasons why one might want to do that. For me, like my personal story around food and health, I have had a variety of allergies and dietary restrictions that have ebbed and flowed throughout my life that have made it really hard for me to figure out what kind of food my body wants to eat to feel it's most healthy. My sister and cousins have had life-threatening allergies that have made it really challenging for them to figure out what is safe for them to eat. So I have a lot of personal connection to the mission, but I think when we zoom it out more broadly, we are in the middle of a health crisis as a nation and really as a world. When we look at healthcare spending growing over 5% year over year, topping $5 trillion annually by 2028, we're getting to a point where medical costs and healthcare spending is untenable, not just for individuals, but for companies and even for insurance providers, everyone is losing. And when you dig into that data, 35% of those medical costs stem from nutrition related issues that are either preventable or solvable through food. And so why are we not addressing this massive crisis that we have at the root of the source, which to me is so clearly food. Yeah. So sounds like you are addressing it at the source. So let's talk about a little bit more about how you guys are doing it and how the company, like the company origin story, if you will. Yeah, for sure. So, so Whitewell was founded by myself and by my partner, Chris Finucci. Um, the initial spark for Bitewell came from Chris. So he had started two beverage companies, was traveling around the country, working with distributors. He would land in a new city and try to figure out what food around him was right for him and wouldn't completely derail him from his health and weight loss goals. So the original conceptualization of Bitewell was a healthy food delivery app. 
many iterations later, we are now a food platform with health benefits, targeting corporations and working with insurance providers to add healthy food as another pillar of your overall preventative care and benefits package for your employers, for your employees. And the journey from healthy food delivery app to where we are now is crazy, but it mostly, mostly came from listening, listening to the people who are on the platform, listening to the market and how the market wanted to address the problem. So what, what are some of the, let's call them mishaps, but ultimately challenges, obstacles, whatever you want to call them that you've seen that you've now overcome as it relates to some of those pivots? Yeah, for sure. So when we were first starting out, I think we were very focused on launching this as an app. And when I look back now, over two years later, I scratch my head a little bit trying to figure out why when we probably could have launched an MVP version of this far faster as a website. And so one of the early learnings, I'm a first time founder, Chris has founded multiple businesses, but this is his first time in tech. And so for us, one of the early learnings that came from that bit of friction was don't try to make it perfect. Don't become so attached to the vision for how the product comes to life that you lose the vision for how to solve the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, and I think that happened a little bit in the murkiness of trying to figure out how to get this thing to market. So that was friction point one that we overcame. We invested a, mostly a lot of time in trying to launch this as an app instead of just throwing something up as a website that curates, at the time we were a healthy food delivery app. So why couldn't we have curated healthy food delivery options on a site, put it out in front of people and learn something from there? So that's the first thing that we learned. Don't become so attached to the vision of the product that you lose the goal of the problem that you're trying to solve. The second thing that happened is as we were building this first version of the app, we had a couple of iterations of who our customer was. So first we were pure D2C. So healthy food delivery app for you, the individual user. Then we started chatting with dietitians and nutritionists and personal trainers who we thought were going to be an avenue, a go-to-market avenue for getting BiteWell out to our end users. As we were interviewing them, we realized that there were all of these other holes in the market around nutrition and food and food data and food health that we thought we could solve. What if we could be your one-stop shop from planning all the way through to ordering, purchasing, tracking those meals and that full feedback loop, mm -hmm. um, which is an amazing vision. And it solves a lot of problems for dietitians, nutritionists, and personal trainers who are right now piecing together lots of different tools to use with their clients. But in exploring that and going down that rabbit hole, the, the problem solution changed a bit. The customer changed. We Our customer became the dietitian, nutritionist, or personal trainer. And the solution changed and grew. And so that initial struggle that we had about being focused on launching this as an app, the time that that took to put out, now we're spending even more time trying to build not just a healthy food delivery app, but the full encompassing food solution. And it's still a great vision. And like, is that a problem worth solving? Yes. Is there a market there? Absolutely. Are there customers who need that? 100%. But it wasn't the right problem for us to solve. And it was going to, we realized after putting out a pilot version of that 
running it through with a bunch of users, we realized that we were going to spend a lot of time building features that we had questions about whether or not people were truly going to use. We ended up building this MVP version of that fully encompassing food app with planning, purchasing, and tracking. And by and far away, the one thing that our customers spent the most time on was opening up the app, searching food around them, and looking at the data that we had tied to that food. Because that's the thing that we were bringing to market that was different from everyone else. So we spent time digging into that. Why is this data important to you? And how can we deliver that data to you in a better way? And what we've learned is that we could really narrow that feedback loop, which we were originally looking at, you know, planning all the way to tracking and back to planning. We can narrow it to just focus on that moment when you're hungry. I'm hungry right now. How do I figure out what to eat right now that's going to fit my health needs, my dietary profile, my personal, you know, allergy and intolerance safety needs? And when we did that, we were able to distill all of this amazing data that we had spent time collecting and and developing around meals and products and distill it down to one simple score so that as a user, I can now open up Bitewell and see all the food supply around me simply scored so that I know this chicken dish, great for me. This chicken dish, not so much. I'm going to go with the one that's great for me. Mm-hmm. So that is half of the, uh, that's, I guess, the product piece of the journey. And then once we figured out what people wanted, and we really distilled down to our single point of focus that could differentiate us from everything else on the market, then we had to figure out how to get it to people and how to get it to people in the most efficient way possible in the market environment that we're in today. So what started as direct-to-consumer And then we looked at B2B to C through the dietitians after a series of conversations with our customers and then a few very interesting conversations with insights providers at uh, insurance companies, we realized that there was this missing link between insurance providers, corporations, and employees for food benefits. What if we could bring this simple product to market that helps you understand if a food nearby fits your health needs or not through the lens of a corporate benefit, the employer is paying a food stipend to the employee to purchase healthy food options. The employee is incentivized to make those purchases because you're getting $100 or $200 a month free from your corporation. So you're going to use the money. The corporation is able to then take that data about food purchases and the what we call food health of their employee base back to their insurance provider at the end of the year and say, hey, we've invested in a preventative health benefit centered around food, which we know is a massive contributor to the overall population's health. And look, our company is making better decisions. Please help me to lower our insurance premiums based on this preventative benefit that we've implemented. And insurance companies now have data on the food that people are purchasing and how it might be impacting their health. And so everyone in all three pieces of of the incentive triangle are properly incentivized to make the best choices for the health of the world. Yeah, that's, I mean, listen, you found the right buyer and purchaser who's heavily incentivized to decrease insurance premiums, which can be passed on as a savings to their employees and themselves. 
And that's incredible. And it sounds like you're also already working with the insurance providers themselves or insurance brokers. Can you talk a little bit about, I know some of it's a little hush hush because there's big things coming, but what can you talk about in terms of the way that you're working with very large insurance brokers? Yeah. So I can share that we do have um, an insurance partner who's really excited about what we're building, but I can't say who yet it's coming. And that has been great and very validating for us and has enabled us to build in some intelligence and assumptions around how uh, an increased, we call it a food health score. So how an increased food health score might impact a company's insurance premiums, how that might trickle down to savings for the employee. So that's been very exciting for us to get some of that validation from the at the insurance provider level. We also love working with benefits brokers. They've been a great way for us to get in contact with the person who is our customer. I think we finally landed on who our customer is and we're seeing product market fit. Our customer is you know, the HR or benefits director or VP at any company, the person who is making decisions about preventative healthcare benefits for their employee population. And benefits brokers have been a great way in for us. What they love about us is we are meeting, we're creating a new space of benefit that hasn't existed before, this healthy food benefit that they can add along to the pillars of, you know, mental health and family planning that are now um, becoming more popular benefits. So we're a new avenue for them to go out and reach out to their customers with something that they can add to their preventative care portfolio. And for us, we love working with them because they already have the ear of the customer who we're going after. So it's a really great relationship. Yeah. So you mentioned any company. Is there a certain size that benefits the most from BiteWell? Or is it really truly any company can be a BiteWell customer and can see the benefits? So companies at all sizes and scales can see benefit from being a BiteWell customer. What we have found is that the companies that are coming to us the fastest and who are early adopters of BiteWell are companies that already have a food budget carved out. So they're either offering you know, a per diem for lunch or dinner, or they have a robust snacking program. So they're used to spending money on food and they have a more robust preventative care or wellness benefit program in place already. And so we're a really simple addition that bridges the gap between their food spending and their health and wellness spending. So those are our early adopters, but really any company from 15 employees to 15,000 employees can see a benefit from incentivizing their teams to eat better. So I run a team of about 30 people. We order a ton of trash from Amazon, from, you know, wherever. I don't even know all the bills that, that we get every month, but they're they're large. And they are trash, right? It's like sodas and snacks and all this stuff that absolutely does not benefit their health long term. So what you're telling me is for me, who has a 30 person team, I can leverage BiteWell to be able to not only incentivize my team for eating healthier, but also incentivize the business tenants, if you will, to be able to provide something like that and lower insurance premiums across the board. 1000%. Yes. All right, Howard, Howard, if you're listening in, buddy, I'm sending you over bite. Well, (laughs) Howard makes all the decisions for my team on uh, anything in this arena. But that's that's awesome, Sam. That's can I call you Sam? Yeah, 
Please call me Sam. Uh, So when we think about the larger organizations, I can only imagine that the effect compounds, right? But you also end up in longer sales cycles because that's just what happens, especially when you're, you know, talking to somebody in the HR function or in that side of the business, the talent people function, right? It's just historically long sales cycles. What have you seen specific to Bitewell in regards to your sales cycles and how have you been able to shorten those as best as you can? It's a great question. So there is certainly a span, right? We are chatting with lots of large organizations where the sales cycle is typically over a year to implement a new benefit. What we have going for us is um, we sit at this intersection of food services and health and wellness benefits. So while the sales cycle is long for health and wellness benefits, it can be shorter if you go in through the food services angle. Yeah. And so for larger corporations with longer sales cycle, that has been our way in. Hey, we have this amazing mega marketplace of food offerings. We have everything you need from snacks. We connect with wholesalers and distributors, restaurant meals. We connect with all of the food delivery apps that you already love, groceries, meal kits. We pull it all together into one place and we can simplify your food services. Oh, and by the way, when you simplify your food services with us, you see all of these great health benefits. And that makes it a much faster conversation. And that's at kind of the larger scale. At the smaller scale, when we're chatting with companies that have 100, 150, 250 employees, um, we're seeing decisions pretty quickly, like two to three months. And we expected it to be longer. I think it's a combination of that special angle with food services, but also this is a piece of preventative care that makes so much sense and there's nothing else out there that's quite like it. And so it's a really easy conversation to have internally with your team. You're not making a trade-off between, you know, four different options that are offering similar benefits. It's, hey, there's this great opportunity to offer healthy food to our team and for everyone to be rewarded for it. Let's do it. Yeah, that's, that's great. No, that isn't. That's a really interesting angle. So when you think about this word that you used before, product market fit right? Do you feel like all signs are pointing to that you guys have finally found it? Or do you see another pivot in your future? I feel confident we've landed um, on product market fit on who our customer is, and on the best way to bring Bitewell to market. That doesn't mean that lots of other things in the business won't change and shift and pivot over time. I think a healthy business is always changing. But we have found that really sweet wedge in the market where we're creating a category of healthy food benefit in a proven category of preventative care benefits. We have a clear customer, we have a clear solution, and we're seeing great traction. As part of creating a category, I love that you, that you use that um, creating and, and operating within a proven category. You are kind of at that intersection or dichotomy, if you will. But when I think of creating a category, I think of a ton of content marketing. I think of a ton of analyst coverage. I think of a ton of PR coverage. And I think of an extremely expensive marketing budget. Are you are you having to do that at Bitewell or because you're also operating within a proven category? Have you been able to kind of leverage some of the existing marketing that's out there? We've been able to leverage a ton of the existing conversations that are happening around preventative care benefits. And because we're offering a new 
maybe we're a new subcategory underneath preventative care benefits. And so we get all of the, you know, glory of creating a new category and being a first mover without all of the expense of having to explain to people why the thing we're creating matters. Yeah, no, it's the best. That's the best possible scenario. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Took us yeah. some time to get here, but it was time well spent. It it always does though, right? I mean, like that's the that's the fun part about taking the time and taking the pivots needed and taking, you know, the the understanding from your customers and pivoting. It's like it is hard. It's really hard to move away from something you've been doing for three or six or twelve months. But geez, when you finally hit it, you know, and it sounds like, you know. Yeah. And I think the learning for me and what I will take forward is I don't ever want to be married to one version of our solution. I want to be deeply committed to our mission and our vision and solving that problem and creating a healthier world. But the way that that comes to life, it will just change because the world changes Mm -hmm. and being open to it looking different than how you originally conceptualized, I think, is the way that you build a healthy, long lasting business. So the entry point for you guys, when you typically will get engaged with a customer, whether it comes through a channel or it's direct, less of a concern for me, more about what the company's going through. Are you currently hearing a lot of things like I just mentioned, like, we our budget is all over the place. We're currently ordering a ton of stuff that's not good for people. Or what are you hearing? Yeah. So we hear everything from so as we're going through and having our conversations, onboarding new customers or pitching new customers, we always ask them what their current food budget is. Because for two reasons. One, if we know your food budget, it's a lot easier for us to build a quote for you and to show some short-term savings on the food front and long-term savings on the health front. Mm-hmm. But number two, it helps us understand what your food system looks like so that we can figure out how to slot in. And so there are people who say to us, I truly have no idea because I have 10 people in 10 different places ordering 10 different types of food from 50 different food suppliers. We have people who know let's say I have a budget for snacks from Costco and I have a budget for afternoon pizzas on Fridays that lives over here. And then there are customers who are working with a food services provider and are very clear about what they're spending and how they're spending it. So it kind of runs the gamut, but the, the more sources that you currently have from a food perspective, the faster that we can show you a you know short-term return on consolidating that food spent with Fightwell. Cool. You uh, you mentioned this other word, data, that those who know me know that there's very few things I freak out about in terms of excitement and very you know very few things that you know I really love to dig into data being one of them because I'm a big believer that data is one of the only moats that you could probably still have left in the world that we're living in what are you doing with the data who's interested in it long term and ultimately do you have any plans to monetize that data at some point in time great set of questions so my answer depends on what you mean by the data, because we have a couple of pieces of data that are special and proprietary to us, two that I'll talk about today. So the first set of data that we have that is 
you know, bite well specific is the way that we assign health attributes to food items, whether they're products or meals or meal kits. We have a health perspective on the entire food supply that we've spent the last two years developing. That data set will become richer and richer and richer. The way that we think about it will change and become smarter over time. We're investing a lot of time in the development of that data set. There is also a second bucket of data that I think is equally, if not more interesting, that ties the purchases that a person is making and the health attributes assigned to that food to the user and the health attributes assigned to the user. So we understand the health and well-being of and you know dietary concerns and allergies and medical conditions of all of our users. And we're able to tie that and look at how that changes over time based on food purchases. Both of those data sets are deeply, deeply interesting to me. And I think they're both valuable in different ways with different potential future customers should we choose to monetize that data. Yeah, I I bet you the insurance companies will go wild over it eventually once it's aggregated enough of it too. They just might. They just might. Yeah, now I see where the interest is coming from or a big part of it anyway. So you mentioned two that you're going to talk about today. Does that mean that there's a third? There are several data streams, we call, is what we call them internally, that I think are really interesting to our business. Those are the two that we talk about, and there are lots more that run behind the scenes. All right, cool. Little FOMO there. <laughs> I know. Sorry about it. <laughs> all right. No, oh, good. I'm sure I'll find about them, find out about them someday. All right. So you've gone through a, a few pivots, products, companies. You've gone through this journey of establishing product market fit and everything connected to that. What what tips do you have for other founders that that might be going through a similar set of, you know, journey, if you will? How much time do we have? Um, okay, I'll give you two. The first one is to breathe and realize that this is a normal part of the process. Anyone who tells you that they had it figured out from day one is either lying to you or delusional. And I think there there is a lot of content out there that that makes it really challenging when you're starting a company for the first time because you think that you should see growth and fit and clarity immediately when it really takes a long time to find those things. And so breathe, have patience. This is part of the journey. And then the second piece of advice is what we have talked about a couple of times throughout this. Just don't be so married to one version of what the solution looks like that you miss all of these other opportunities to solve the problem that you're solving in a better way that your customer wants it in the way that your customer wants it to be solved that fits best into their life. Yeah. And don't get caught up in it being the wrong customer when it's not associated to the problem you set out to achieve in the first place, as you pointed out before. That's, that's, that's good stuff. All right. So, so looking forward, you've got a lot of data or data. You say data, I say data, whatever. <laughs> potato, uh, potato. Potato, potato. So as as we look forward towards who Bitewell will become in the future, give me a give me a like sneak hint and where you think you'll end up in five years. So our mission is to improve the world's health through food. Right now we're just talking about the US. 
but we really do believe that our mission extends to the world. And so I would love to lead healthy food as a preventative care benefit globally. Hmm. Stick into the mission. Just a small, just like a small little vision. Just a small. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a, but there's a lot of steps along the way, right? Yeah. So five years is a, a lifetime in today's technology landscape, right? So lots of obviously roadblocks and, and streamlines and exciting things in your future, but it's good to hear that even five years in, down the road, you guys are sticking to the mission that you set out to. Always sticking to the mission. That's the thing that won't change. Everything else might change, but the mission can't change because then we're different. We're a different company. Yeah. When you when you think about the same journey, but not from a product perspective, maybe from any other angle, it could be revenue, it could be talent, it could be operations. What are some of the other call them trials or tribulations that you've had to overcome to get to the point where you're at today? Yeah. So along with finding the right product and bringing ourselves to product market fit, because we had a couple of different customers and a couple of different ways that the product could come to life, we also had a couple of different potential revenue streams. So we have locked down on a monetization strategy that makes a ton of sense. We see profitability in the future, which is an exciting place to be. But there were moments when we didn't and when we weren't sure how we were going to monetize off of all of the awesome data that we have and the way that we were bringing it to market. So that was certainly a a trial or I guess a journey that mapped the journey of the product changes that we had over time. And then from a team perspective, from my from my perspective, a successful startup is the right people solving the right problem at the right time. We have the timing right. We have had the problem right all along. We've just brought it to life in a couple of different ways. And Chris and I have always been the right team. We have added different team members over time who have also become the right team, but finding them took time, right? So finding our CTO took us a lot of time. And one of the things that we did right and that we will continue to do for important roles on this team for the foreseeable is we realized that it was going to take time and that we weren't going to know if a person was the right person from a set of interviews. And so every key hire on this team goes through a purposeful three-month trial period with us, where at the end, we assess if we're the right fit for each other. That's something we've done right from the beginning, and I would recommend it to any early founder starting out looking for the right people. Have you ever had to fire someone after the 90 days? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yep. And that's the point of it, right? That's how you know that it's a thing that works. If that's you how find I know you're telling the truth, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you about that. We we have. And it's we are Chris and I are both extremely transparent people. And so it's not like at the end of the three month period, any of us was surprised that it wasn't working out. I think we we came to mutual agreement that we were not the right fit for each other and we moved on and eventually found the right person. Our current CTO is amazing. We have a set of team members who are equally amazing and the key ones have all gone through that three-month period with us. You guys are also in the midst of launching an enterprise product as well, aren't you? We are. Yeah. Talk, talk to me a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, so uh, following MVP multiple product changes, we are launching the enterprise version of Bitewell on October 15th with our first enterprise customers. And so that we've been heads down on that for a long time now, that it wouldn't be possible without the development team that we have around the table, without Johnny, our CTO, and his vision and experience in building enterprise products and all the things we learned along the way. Sounds like the right people on the right mission, building the right products for the right customer. So you really can't ask for more than that as the founder of this company. That's that's incredible. You've given so much to our listeners today. To close things out, I just want to do what I do on every the end of every podcast. I don't know if you've seen any of them, but it's five questions. I call them the Founder Five, and I want to hear about Sam's Founder Five. So the Let's first the first question is: What is the top metric or KPI that you are relentlessly focused on? NPS. I want to know if our customers are happy and if they are promoting us to others. That's net promoter score. You should know that if you're a founder, but <laughs> but NPS, net promoter score, that's a great one. And actually, in 30 episodes now, nobody has given that one, surprisingly. So well done, Sam. Thank okay. you. Top tip for growth stage founders like yourself? Sleep. Ooh, okay. Sleep. Not eat well, huh? Well, I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> We've done that. But, yeah. but sleep. Like, I think it is... It is possible to eat relatively well and people generally remember to do that. But the number one thing that people sacrifice during times of stress is sleep. So please do. Please sleep. I feel like you're speaking to me on that one in some ways, but welcome back. I might be. I'm seeing into your soul. (laughs) (laughs) At least you didn't say you're seeing it in my eyes. All right. So favorite book or podcast that's helped you to grow? Hard thing about hard things. I know. It's not an original I'm sure you've heard that answer before, but it's a great book. So I, have, I haven't, but there's also a lot of really great books out there. But that is a that is a good one. It's one of my favorites. What do you love most about that book? It gave me the confidence to take bigger risks than I might have otherwise. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Next one. What actor would play you in a movie? Anne Hathaway. Oh, I see it. I like it. Thanks. Yeah, that's a good one. I love Anne Hathaway. She's I love Anne Hathaway. Love her. I saw okay, side side tangent. Go for it. Um, my first job ever out of school, I was selling beauty products at a counter in ABC Carpet and Home in New York City. I went on to work with the company for a long time doing other things, but it was my I think I was on the job for six months and Anne Hathaway walked into the store and it was a life changing moment for me. I'm obsessed with her. Wow. And to think in a few short years, she'll be playing you in a movie. That's I know. Full circle. Full circle. All right. Last one. What is going to be the title of your autobiography when all is said and done? Relentless. Nice. One word answer. The best, best kind of answer there is. That's great. Well, you've given a ton to our listeners. So thank number one, thank you for that. Number two, I always like to allow for a little self-promotion at the end here so that our listeners can give back to you since you've been so giving today. How can those listening help you out as a founder? All right. So in the stage that we're at, we are looking for customers. If you want your company to offer Bitewell as a benefit, please reach out to me. 
I'm going to do a crazy thing and give you my actual email on this podcast, which is sam at bitewell.com. If you want us to provide healthy food benefits for your company, just email me, sam at bitewell.com, and we will hook you up. Love it. And that is crazy. Founders are so protective of their time. So it's so great of you to be willing to give that to potential customers. That's that that's terrific. And uh, I'm just going to throw a little bit of a shout out here to you because I know that you've talked about opening up a round of investment. So there, there is going to be a bite well round here at some point towards the end of this year. Um, you're raising $3 million, I believe. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So I know you're not taking investors yet, but those listening, I know you're going to be in a couple months. So try to get to Sam. She gave you her email contact her and hopefully she'll entertain including you as part of that, especially if you're strategic to her mission, because I know how important that is to you, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for the shout out. Appreciate it. Of course. Of course. All right. Customers, investors, everyone, Sam, bite well. Thank you for joining us on The Dirt. You've been terrific. And any last remarks before we close this out? No, I feel like we've covered it all. Thank you. This has been a great show. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on The Dirt. Appreciate it. And thanks for everyone listening. Take care. Bye. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.